If you would take your Bibles and open to Second Chronicles chapter 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26. And if you would stand as I read our text for this morning in honor of God's word. As I read just the first five verses of our text this morning. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. And after the king slept with his fathers, Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Heavenly Father, God, as we open your word this morning, God, I pray that we would be changed. Lord, I pray that we would come to a place where we see you for who you are, and when we do, we will see ourselves for who we are and recognize our absolute need for you. God, I pray that you would be glorified in our time this morning, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Isaiah 6 verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord high and lofty, seated on his throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And this reference to Uzziah, truthfully, for many of us, is really the only reference to Uzziah that that we know of. In fact, for many of you, even this morning in the welcome, when I said we're going to be talking about King Uzziah, you thought, oh, Isaiah 6. Because most people think that's the only place He's mentioned. In fact, he is mentioned elsewhere in 2 Kings chapters 14 and 15. um, He's referred to. um, And when he's referred there, he's referred to by his personal name, Azariah. His kingly name was Uzziah. Now, Uzziah, as you heard even in that text for a moment, was he became king when he was 16 years old. And the interesting thing about uh, this story of King Uzziah found in Second Chronicles chapter 26 is it follows a story of his father Amaziah in chapter 25 and his grandfather Joash in chapter 24. And each of this trilogy of kings, there is something very specific about all of them. They served God faithfully at first. And yet over time... They began to wander. They faded from faithfulness and they ended their reigns in disgrace. Joash, Uzziah's grandfather, was assassinated by his own servants while he slept in his bed. And Amaziah was killed by his own people while he was living in exile. And this morning we'll see what happens to Uzziah. Now on this new day here at Eastwood Baptist Church, we're extremely excited about what God is doing 
And we should be. Furthermore, we should be extremely thankful for all God has done for us as a church family in the past because he has been ever faithful and shown his mercy time and time again over the years. And while we're thankful for all he has done in the past, we should never forget all he is currently doing. Also, it is right that we be thrilled for what we know he is going to do in our own personal lives and what he is going to do in this church and what he is going to do in the community in the days and years to come. As we look at this biblical text this morning and as we learn from this cautionary tale, hopefully we will be instructed and convicted that we didn't get here or we didn't get where we are alone and we won't get very far on our own. So let's hear that again. We didn't get where we are alone and we won't get very far on our own. No one's really sure about the origin of this story in the sense of uh, there are different iterations of it over time. But um, have have you ever heard of a post-turtle? Maybe maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Uh, A post-turtle, it's said that in certain parts of the country when farmers would go to plow their fields, there would be turtles um, all over their fields. And even though it doesn't seem like much, if they were to run over enough of these, it would dull the instruments that they were using. And so uh, they would have hands or they themselves would do it. They would go over and they would grab the turtle and they didn't want to kill it or anything like that. So what they would do is they would take the turtle and they would put it up on a fence post. To keep it out of the way. And over time, as they got through, going through and everything, wind would blow, they would, move, they would fall off, and then they could do whatever they needed to do. But then it wouldn't destroy the implements. Well, um, it, whatever, there, like I said, there are different iterations of the story. But in fact, there's one, uh, or there's, there's one um, instance of this story. If you've ever heard of the author Alex Haley, Alex Haley, in his office, they used to have a giant portrait of a post with a turtle on top of it. And people inevitably, you would imagine, if you come into someone's office and you're looking at them and they're famous and they're really well known and you look, they could have anything and they have this giant picture of a post with a turtle on it, you would ask the question, what does that mean? Well, inevitably people would come into Haley's office and they would say, what, what does that mean? And he would say, well, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of things it could mean. But for me, the way I look at it is simple. Is any time I begin... To think I'm somebody, like I did all of this, and I'm something special, and I can do anything. He said, all I have to do is turn around and look at this post turtle, which inevitably would lead the guest to say, okay, what does that mean? And he said, well, it's simple. When I turn around and look at this post turtle, While there are many things we could talk about, there is one incontrovertible truth that we can know. When you see a turtle on a post, you know he didn't get there on his own. Now, when we look at this text this morning, we will see that we didn't get where we are alone and we won't get very far on our own. As a people, we should ask this question and keep it in the back of our mind until the end of this sermon this morning. Am I really dependent on God's leading or 
Am I being led by my own heart? More concerned with my own wants, desires, and preferences. Is when, when we are more interested in these things, then we evidence a heart of pride, a heart that is more dependent on ourselves than on Him, a heart that has forgotten who you are and how you got here. So the truth is, like I, I titled the sermon this on purpose, we have to remember lest we forget. And when we're tempted to do this, when we're tempted to succumb to the pride of our own hearts, to the pride that causes us to push our own agendas, we need to remember our impact for God is directly connected to our dependence on God. Our impact for God is directly connected to our dependence on God. If you look in verse 1 of chapter 26 of 2 Chronicles, it says, And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. And he built Eloth and restored it to Judah. And after the king slept with his fathers, Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all his father Amaziah had done. And he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Okay, so uh, really quickly, the way that this works for Uzziah is uh, Uzziah's father was still king, but he was put in uh, he was put away, and because of that, they raised up Uzziah when he was 16 years old and made him king, even while his father was still alive. We'll see that that pattern repeats itself in his own life, but they made him king, and he became king when he was 16 years old. And he began to do some amazing things, even at an early age, because it says he set his self to seek God. He was dependent on the Lord, no doubt, because if you're 16 and you become the sole ruler of a nation, you probably recognize somewhere deep inside that you can't do this by yourself. And he is overwhelmed with that, no doubt. So, <coughs> excuse me, he sets himself um, to seek the Lord. He's being taught by Zechariah. Now, this is not Zechariah who wrote the book of Zechariah, the prophet, and also not the Zechariah that's mentioned later in Chronicles. This is a different Zechariah. Uh, but he set himself to be taught by him. He mentions his mother, which no doubt she was also leading him. He was being led well. He was following the Lord. And it says here that he was instructed in the fear of the Lord. And verse 5, it says, God made him prosper. God made him prosper. He set his mind to follow the Lord. And as long, this is a key phrase, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Then it says in verse 6, he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines. Hear that? God helped him. God 
helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbaal and against the Meunites and the Ammonites. And they paid tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt. So the first thing we see here is that he prospered internationally. He sought the Lord and because he sought the Lord, the Lord helped him prosper. He prospered internationally all the way, in fact... To Egypt, for he became, verse 8, for he became very strong. He prospered internationally. He also prospered domestically. Look at verse 9. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle and fortified them. And he built towers in the wilderness and he cut out many cisterns, for he had large herds, both in the Shephelah and in the plain. And he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and on the fertile lands, for he loved the soil, he prospered domestically. So now we've got a guy who is well-known internationally and prospering internationally. He's also well-known and well-loved and prospering domestically. He's got agriculture. He's got all kinds of amazing things. But not only did he prosper internationally and he prospered domestically, but he prospered militaristically. He prospered militaristically. Look at verse 11. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war in divisions according to the numbers in the muster made by Jael, the secretary, and Masaiah, the officer, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the heads of fathers' houses of mighty men of valor was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 who could make war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. So he said, why are you reading all this? Because you need to know exactly what's going on with Uzziah. He is prospering because he is seeking the Lord. He's prospering internationally, he's prospering domestically, he's prospering militaristically, even to the point that in this day and age, um, whenever you went to fight, this was a muster army type age. So sure, there were a few soldiers, but generally speaking, when the, when the king went to war, he just called for the heads of the household, and they would run into their house and get their own armor, their own swords, they would come, they kind of look like a ragtag band, but they would come together and they would fight. But Uzziah, for the first time, gets a military together, and it says he provided... All the armor, all the weapons, all the helmet, all of that. To the point that you can tell, not only is he prospering internationally and domestically and militaristically, but financially. He is prospering in every way, shape, and form because he sought the Lord. Now look at the last part of verse 15, because I left that off. And his fame spread far. So what did it say over and over again? And God helped him. God helped him. But then look at verse 15. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. He reached this pinnacle of strength. He was marvelously helped by God until he was strong. As a 16-year-old, like I said, it was probably clear that he wasn't capable of doing everything, so he had advisors, he had people around him. But in the end, the key to why Uzziah was so successful is because he was helped, he was helped, he was marvelously helped until he was strong and prosperous. 
But the key truth of this section is found in verse 5. Where it says, And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. See, when we read 2 Chronicles, just like the people uh, uh, back then in Israel would read 2 Chronicles, we're not supposed to go across this story and read it and say, "Mm, yes, because that's how kings are supposed to act. We're supposed to walk across this and realize, we're supposed to recognize that as followers of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ this morning, as his people, we're supposed to recognize... That we are to remain faithful and dependent on him for everything. And that our advancing of his kingdom is only accomplished in as much as we are depending on him for our help. In fact, hear me this morning. Our church, yes you as an individual, but our church will only reach... The amazing potential that I know is there and you know is there will only reach the amazing potential we know is there in as much as we are dependent on God's leading and God's direction and not our own desires, preferences, and likes. As we're encouraged in this truth about Uzziah and the fact that God will marvel... Anybody in this room ever been marvelously helped by God? Wow. No one? I would say this. You're here this morning. I got a couple of hands. You're here this morning. Anybody? Because, I mean, this is the Baptist way. You're just going to respond with amen, okay? Anybody in this room ever been marvelously helped by God? Amen. Amen. You're here. You're breathing. And for many of us getting up this morning, we were marvelously helped. So we're encouraged by this truth and, and the impact that our impact for God is directly connected to our dependence upon God. We also have to be warned through the story of Uzziah. See, not only is our impact for God directly connected to our dependence on God, but when we no longer depend on God, we will cease to be significantly used by God. Now, this is the warning of his story, and it's, it's really the warning for us today. When we no longer depend on God, we will cease to be significantly used by God. See, I would argue, while there are many different factors, um, even today, the numbers are alarming as to how many churches are dwindling and, and dying and closing. If people very close to me, whose churches are Slowly dying and closing. Now again, like I said, many different factors. We could say COVID, we could say all kinds of things. But the truth is there are many churches that are closing simply because a long time ago they ceased to depend on God and they started depending on themselves and driving their own preferences, their own purposes and their own agendas for their own reasons and not seeking God. And what we see here in verse 16 is exactly that. Verse 15, And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. But when he was strong, verse 16, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful 
to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So he forgot that he was marvelously helped and like uh, he, he's like the, the, the insanity of a turtle on a post thinking he put himself there. Forgetting that it is, he is actually physically incapable of, being, of getting up on that post on his own. And yet when he's on the post, he looks down at all the other turtles and says, Look how I got up here. Look what I did for me. It says he was marvelously helped by God. But then when he was strong, he grew proud to his own destruction. When he turned and started thinking he did it. And he made it happen instead of God. Something overwhelming occurred in his life. What's so amazing is this. I told you earlier that his royal name is Uzziah, but his personal name is Azariah. Do you know what the word Azariah means in Hebrew? It means the Lord helps. His name means The Lord helps. And yet, he violated what even Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 through 18. Uh, Moses said, And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten, And are full and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply. And your silver and your gold is multiplied. And all that you have is multiplied. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery. Who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness. With its fiery serpents and scorpions. And thirsty ground where there was no water. Who brought you water out of the flinty rock. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna. That your fathers did not know. That he might humble you and test you. To do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart. My power and the might of my hand. Has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Moses told the children of Israel that all the way back in Deuteronomy, right before they went into the promised land, he said, you're going to go in there and it's going to be great. And God's going to cause you to prosper and it's going to be amazing. And you're going you're to be, if you have full stomachs, beautiful homes, you're going to have all these things, but lest you forget Because in your pride, you will come to a point where you will say, look at what I accomplished. Look at what I did. And you forget that the Lord is the one who does all these things. It says that he did this. He grew proud to his destruction. He acted corruptly. He was unfaithful. That that phrase, he was unfaithful, is used repeatedly in 2 Chronicles. What he did in this moment, hear what it says? He took... Um, He took, uh, he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense at the altar of incense. So he went in and he took the scepter to burn the incense. Why is this wrong? Because he's a king. He is not a priest. 
He's, he's violating the same way that Saul did when he didn't wait for the sacrifice. And now Uzziah is doing it. Why? Because in his pride, what he decided was, you know, I know I was given this role, but I've done really good at that. I think I can step into somebody else's role and do that. Because, hey, I'm Uzziah. I can do whatever I want. I'm Uzziah. What I want to do is the most important thing right now. And he pushed his own agenda. He pushed his own thing that he wanted to occur, and he did it to his own destruction. It means he was unfaithful. It means a serious violation of covenant loyalty or responsibility. He was unfaithful. It's an interesting little interchange right here in verse 17. But Azariah the priest, now this is interesting, his his name is Azariah. The priest's name and the king's name are the same. See, the king's personal name is Azariah and the priest's name is Azariah. So Uzziah goes in there and decides he's going to burn incense on the altar. And Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. I'll tell you this, just as a side note, to stand up to authority and speak the truth takes courage and it takes strength and it takes belief and trust in the Lord. These were men of valor. Why? Because they stood up to the king. The king could have had them killed like that. But instead, they stood up to him and what did they say? And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary... For you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. So they stood up to him and said, I know you've got your own agenda. I've got, I know you've got your own ideas, and you want to just get this done the way you want it done. That's why you're here, Uzziah, Uzziah, but you are wrong. This is not for you. You have incorrectly interpreted what you needed to do, and now you are not going to bring honor to yourself. And you would think, you would hope that someone who has been helped, who has been helped, who has been marvelously helped, would respond and say, you're right. Goodness. I stepped outside, I stepped out of bounds. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I am now in a situation. I have gotten myself into a situation that I should not be in. And, and you know what? You guys are right. Hand them the scepter and just kind of walk out carefully. But what does he do? So we read this, we think, oh man, of course he would. He did the exact same thing that most of us do when we get called on the carpet for pushing our own agenda and our own desires in our pride. What does it say? It says they told him, this is not for you, Uzziah. You will not bring honor from the Lord. Verse 19, then Uzziah was angry. He responded with, do you know who you're talking to? I've been king over this nation. At this point, I've been king over this nation for 42 years. Just going to throw this out there. You know who you're talking to? I've been in this church. How do we respond when we push our own agendas? And then someone says, hey, is this what God wants? We get angry. Look what happened to Uzziah. 
Now he had a censer in his hand to burn the incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. This was to let them know instantly this was the judgment of God. At the moment that he got angry over being called out, you notice he didn't get the leprosy for doing the wrong thing. He got the leprosy for getting angry when he got corrected. So it broke out all over his face. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because the Lord had struck him. Notice this, that once it was noticeable, the priest looked him, he has leprosy on his head, which of course he is unclean at that moment. He's not supposed to be anywhere near the temple at that moment. And so he's got that. But when they said, oh, you have leprosy on your forehead, guess what happened? Even he realized what he had done, and he took, turned around and tried to get out of the temple as fast as he could but it was too late verse 21 and king Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death and being a leper he lived in a separate house for he was excluded from the house of the Lord now here's the thing the king in Israel was was required uh, much of what he did was required. He was supposed to be around the temple. He had to be there for religious services and things of that nature. But now he couldn't go anywhere near the temple. So what happened at this point? Well, what happened at this point is because Uzziah grew too big for his britches and decided to push his own agenda, God punished him. God disciplined him for what he had done. And while he didn't kill him, what he did was he rendered him useless from then on. They put him in a house outside of the city, nowhere near the temple. He couldn't fulfill his duties as king, so much so that look at what it says next. For he was excluded from the house of the Lord, and Jotham, his son, was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from first to last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, wrote, And Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers, in the burial field that belonged to the kings. Now, not, not in the city, with the kings, it was the burial field that belonged to the kings. That's the, where, where it was outside of the city. Why? All the amazing things that he did for 42 years. The last 10 years of his life, he lived in a house separated from everyone with his son ruling as king, in his, a co-regent, in his place because he could not go anywhere near the temple. All the amazing things. He prospered internationally. He prospered domestically. He prospered militaristically. He prospered financially. And yet, where is he? How is he remembered? And Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the kings. For they said, he is a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. That's how it ends. For the great king Uzziah, who other than one other king is the longest reigning king in the history of Israel and Judah. And yet, he was remembered not as great king Uzziah, but as the leper buried in that field out there. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as someone who served a great God, whose great mercy and grace and power were evident in you all of the time? Will you heed the call to depend on Him 
in his leading and not in your pride. Be dependent on your own desires and wants. How will Eastwood be remembered? How will Eastwood be remembered? If Eastwood was gone tomorrow, would she be remembered only by the people here? And then quickly forgotten by everyone else? Or will she be remembered as the beacon of the gospel she is and is supposed to be? A people fully and completely dependent on God, submitted to his will, his leading, and his direction. Lest we forget. We have been helped. We have been helped. We have been marvelously helped. Ultimately, when we look at this text, we recognize that while human kings fail, and you and I, we hear this, we fail. Every one of us has pushed our own desires, has pushed our own wants over and above, stopping for a moment and just saying, is this what God wants? Every one of us is guilty. So human kings fail, humans fail, but there is one king who has never failed and that is Jesus Christ and if you live your life for your own desires and your own purposes and your own will completely and totally and have never submitted to the the leadership and the kingship of Jesus Christ and depended on his death burial and resurrection for your salvation and you think that you know what you're doing and you're going to make yourself right before God please hear me Even the breath you breathe is because you are even now being marvelously helped by a gracious and merciful God. Turn to Him. Turn to Him because everything else you're depending on will ultimately fail you. But Jesus will never fail you. Now real quickly, what are... What are some practical ways, if, if, in regard to believers in Christ this morning, what are some practical ways that we can exercise dependence on Christ? Well, one, we've got to make certain that God remains in His proper place in the church's mission. Not what you want, not what I want, what He wants. Second, we've got to make certain we never forget Who has actually accomplished the mighty deeds that have been accomplished and will be accomplished? It is Him and Him alone. And third, we got to make certain we never forget our covenant obligations like He did. And what is our covenant obligation? We have been given a commission. No, we have been given a great commission. That is our covenant obligation to the Lord. And until... We fulfill it or he calls us home. It's still there. And we are still called to do so. And no matter what God does, and I believe very, very firmly. As I have told you, since the first day I preached in view of a call, I believe firmly that the greatest days for Eastwood Baptist Church are in her future. I will tell you this. We did not get where we are on our own or alone. And we won't get very far on our own. We have to depend on him. Are you depending? Are are we as a people depending on him for our future? 
personally, corporately? Are you depending on Him? Or are you more focused on what you want and what you prefer than what, I, what you believe the Lord wants? I will tell you, I've been so encouraged over the last couple of weeks. I've had so many people who have told me, you know what? I would normally push this, but I'm not going to because I want what God wants. I want, I want the church to flourish. I want God to be glorified. I can tell you this. There is nothing that pleases me more than to hear God's people say, I want what God wants more than what I want. But what I want us to do right now is Brother Dana and the worship team come up. I think it's important for us, even in the midst of these things, to ask, Lord... Where have I been pushing my own desires, my own agenda, my own wants? Where have I been saying, well, this is the way I think it needs to look? Instead of stopping and saying, Lord, what do you want? What do you want for me personally? And God, what do you want for Eastwood Baptist Church? Now, I will tell you this, we're going to start singing here in just a second. And when we do, I want, I I think it's very important that this altar be full. Say, well, what's the significance? You've probably heard me say this already. You've heard somebody else say it. There's nothing really significant about this. This is nothing, there's nothing holy about this place. But the reason we call it an altar is because an altar is a place where things come to die. And I think this morning what needs to happen is we need to come and take our own wants, our own desires, and we need to lay them down on this altar and let them die for the glory of God. And then rise up and say, Lord, for you and you alone, receive all the glory, all the honor, and the praise. God, what do you want to do in and through me and in and through Eastwood this morning? So I'm going to pray.